the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday's sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Yes, last of the season, baby. Oh, is it? Yeah. Thanks for letting me know. (laughs) (laughs) So we're like just following school year. Is that kind of it? Yeah, we've done that every year. Oh, you know, they do have school on Tuesday of next week. Yeah, well, I'm not preaching in Genesis this coming week, so (laughs) we're done. We're done. Uh, And going out with the bag, we have a very, we have a hard stop point, but we'll, we'll... We'll see what we'll be we'll, fine. We'll see what we can do to not just end with a whimper, as they say. <laughs> ah. um, nice reference. I, there. Okay, I so that. I know you're gonna say this is like for some other like category of our yes. our uh, blueprint, but I want to know because like you you teased it. Yeah. In your introduction, you were talking about your uh, your high school whatever teacher. What uh-huh. was he? Coach Fernandez. Yeah. Jerry English, Hernandez. English teacher. And then uh-huh. you said that was the most rap moment. And then like with a pause, you intentionally said, or maybe <laughs> the second. I was going to ask you about that. It was a joke, but nobody laughed. I mean, I think we were like waiting for either the second to come then or like, so now I'm just going to ask it right, right here. Tell, tell us the second story. I thought it was obvious. What? Sex ed. What? I, I did not get that. Yeah. Uh, M- middle school, boys and girls. I have no that, idea. That, that is the most rapt attention that people will give any class period in middle school. I was locked in. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. You're so weird. I can't believe that was such a reach. You Boys are so weird. Okay. <laughs> Howlin' Wolves right in. If you... And with that. If you got the joke. <laughs> okay uh in fact it was during that period where i i coined the catchphrase for our sign-off in seventh grade i said 30 years from now i'm going to be doing a podcast (laughs) and i wanted to end with how was it so okay we're we're doing great baby this is why we're taking a break we're a little slap happy right now I don't even, I, I'm so speechless that no. we are just, we're done bantering. You're, There's no banter. You, why this sermon? Why this Sunday? Off, you're off your horse. Well, we are wrapping up the Genesis sermon series with Genesis 25. I said before I read the passage M that it wasn't necessarily, I mean, I do plan out these sermon texts pretty far in advance, but it was happenstance that at the end of our second year in Genesis, who knows if we'll be back in Genesis this fall or not, but we are exactly at the midway point of this large book, the 50 chapter book. We have completed 25 chapters right now, and I am looking forward to a change of pace uh, psalms for the summer, and we'll have some guest preachers so that I can work ahead on some other things too. But I've been pleased with how the Genesis sermon series has gone for these two years. Mm -hmm. We wanted to tackle big issues. We wanted to learn the long obedience in the same direction to use Eugene Peterson's phrase mm-hmm. of walking through a book of the Bible at a very leisurely place and yep. seeing what God has for us here. That makes sense to me. I'm game. I'm curious 
My, my current job requires me to survey a lot. I, I'm curious about what a survey would say. Do people like the like going through a text or do they, do they, I mean, in some ways, yeah, I don't know. Just curious. My, my guess, and this is me telling you, sermon listeners. Are you getting feedback? What, what they feel. My, my sense is that for sermon listeners, uh-huh. more than, hey, do we want to do a really long series here or do we want to switch it up? do shorter series, I, th I think it's just more important that the sermons be good. Yeah, probably. Uh, so if it's a uh, long, bad, boring sermons from a long book of the Bible, that's not great. But if it's long, bad, boring sermons from, you know, a snappy, Thematic, yeah. in and out Powerful series, yeah, it, it's also a no-go. Yeah, probably. That's what I would, if I was like church looking, that would be a priority, probably. I could, because I am kind of flexible where I could see the benefits of going through a passage yeah. versus thematic preaching. But um, I understand the, the, the kind of like, I do see that I feel like I have more of a sense of Genesis through the, through the, you know, just simmering in it, even yeah. if you're not able to be at church every Sunday or if you're stuck in nursery once a, once a month, yep. like you still get the essence of Genesis in some ways. Oh. I mean, I sure hope so. For for those who have been with us at Liberty Collingswood for a bit, I hope that for the rest of your life, you'll know more about Genesis every time you read it as I a result so. of being here. And so this is the last Genesis sermon before pause. So what mm -hmm. are you, what makes, what is, what particular framework does that put you in as you approach this passage? Well, I was thinking about the sermon is all about waiting, waiting in the Lord, that the connection that I made was less about wrapping up Genesis for the summer, more about thinking about waiting, including this is a, in some ways a time of waiting for Liberty Collingswood, mm -hmm. where we said goodbye to Eric and Carrie Mitchell. Yeah, I was yeah. crying like a baby <laughs> at, the, at the end of the service. And the, you know, it's going to take us a little bit of time to figure out not only whom to hire, but what to hire as far as what, what staff alien. role, <laughs> what, what staff role, what, what staff shape, that sort of thing. So we're beginning to, to chip away at those questions, but yeah, I think by this time next year, will look different than we do right now. So, okay. Lord, what do you have for us in this next season? And then the focus of the sermon was waiting vis-a-vis -vis the personal. Okay. So tell, I know you probably have more stuff to put in this section, but mm -hmm. blending uh, Sun Studios and this particular Bible passage, like how did you get that topic waiting? Like if if waiting is the the theme that kind of is, is uh, your stage of life or the... Mm -hmm church's stage of life how did that come about as you were like looking at this passage i didn't go into this passage with any sense at all that i would come out of this passage with, with a waiting. sermon on Patient. on waiting but part of it as we've been going through genesis mm -hmm. is just seeing what god has for us as i pop the hood study the passage a little bit and there's this intentional juxtaposition between the twins Esau and Jacob, and beginning with they're just completely opposite with one another. Esau, a skillful hunter, man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents, and Esau was a daddy's boy, Jacob was a was a mommy's boy. One one thing in, incidentally, I almost made a joke about while Jacob years. was a was a quiet man. That that's have you heard that 
serial killer joke before? Uh, no. You know, the murderer next door and the, and we actually have a Helen Wolf who had a murderer yeah. next door, but, uh, the, the whole thing, he was a quiet man, <laughs> no. <laughs> but Jacob, not, not a murderer. And yeah, so, so there's this deep contrast between the characters uh-huh. out of which Jacob swindles Esau out of his birthright. And what was interesting to me, there, there are various ways with different pieces of biblical narrative where you try to figure out what the author is thinking and saying about the action that, that's unfolding. And it's not always straightforward. Sure. Jacob's portrayal is more typical in this story because there isn't direct comment one way or another, but it seems that even though Jacob is not a paradigm, a paragon of virtue in this passage, he's not necessarily being condemned for taking his birthright. It's, it's more on the Esau on Esau as just being an idiot and, and more unusually for a biblical text of narrative, there is direct editorial comment about Uh how poorly Esau is behaving here at the very end of the passage. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And that's peeking behind the curtain where the author is saying Esau is really, really doing something dumb and stupid. Mm -hmm. And, then you just kind of go from there. What was Esau doing? Well, he was being impatient, impulsive, easily duped, clumsy, a brusque brute. And I, I did mention in the sermon, I want to be careful not to lean too much on looking at biblical narratives, only to say, be like this person, don't be like this person. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can never do it. And I think it's especially warranted when there is this direct negative framing of sure. Esau here. So... And I thought it was interesting. You were—I uh, don't think I'd thought about this—the like comment that Esau was a skillful hunter, hunter that later kind of gets disproven because he's not actually bringing home any bacon. Yeah, that was new for me studying the passage this week. There were a couple Is that of commentators. Because you've been watching too many like comedies where that's like—it's it's like you're reading sarcasm into scripture, and I don't comedy. feel like I've ever seen that. <laughs> Uh, okay. Esau was a skillful hunter, and then like the punchline is, was not a skillful hunter. <laughs> <laughs> or like the the Ron Howard narrative voice in Arrested uh, exactly. Development. I, I am a skillful for. hunter. Yeah. And he the was, narrative he voice. Is not a skillful. He hunter. is not a skillful hunter. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, and so so the skillful hunter is ironic, is more tendentious, tendentious. So I don't feel as solidly that this is definitely an ironic comment there. I think uh-huh. it probably is enough that I said it in the sermon. Is there any other irony in scripture? For sure. Okay. Yeah, uh, I kind of feel like there is too, but I'm just like, it, it, yeah. Anyway, irony. Uh, most commonly, irony is a rhetorical device used by prophets uh-huh. where, where where they'll use irony as a... Okay. So think of Isaiah in the early Isaiah 40s where... There, I, th- I think Isaiah 44, there's a mm, critique mm-hmm. of idolatry where Isaiah keeps talking about, hey, how dumb is this? Right. We People make idols with their own hands. They yeah. fashion it in the fire. They chop up the wood to mm-hmm. construct it, and then they bow down and worship it. So that's ironic critique of idolatry. Right, right, right. I'd have right. to think a little bit more about uh, yeah, but I see it. irony I and narrative. I but I think, uh, hunt, or as close as I can get to 100%, the thus beast. De- thus Esau despised his birthright is a pretty direct 
mm-hmm. tell to the audience that this is not behavior that we should emulate. And it's not only that Esau is being depicted in a negative way we can draw from this, but also the editorializing at another level simply means pay attention mm-hmm. and really understand what's going the on here. Of, right? yeah, and so it's both the comment itself, but then the rhetorical purpose to pay attention. And then it was, don't be an Esau, mm-hmm. impulsive and trading future for present. And then I thought, hey, wait a second, we're not very good at that. Yeah, and yeah, then, the waiting. And then just, it just kind of went, went from there. And we'll talk more about waiting in the next section. Um, but I, but, but to, to notice here as well, that one of the challenges of the sermon, so I think Christian, non-Christian, secular person, religious person, everybody would kind of agree that present bias is not a great thing and we should be more patient. We should get better about waiting. Mm-hmm. The question is more, how do I frame this in a distinctively Christian way? And how how is Jesus crucified and resurrected the best engine and rationale and resource for us to get better at, sure. at, at waiting? Sure. And then the waiting part too, the second part of the sermon just talked about waiting more more generally and it was fun for me to be able to talk about the already not yet can, can we talk about that for sure, a second so not yet. <laughs> the, that was one of the big takeaways from from seminary understanding that even though the already not yet kingdom already come in jesus but the kingdom not consummated because jesus hasn't yet yet returned that that's not always on the surface of New Testament where you can point to all these specific verses that have the Greek words already and not yet. However, it is kind of all over the place because we're living between the ages. Mm-hmm. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again in our communion liturgy. So that tectonic plate is that we are living, looking back to Jesus already crucified and resurrected, and we are new creation ourselves, but then there's there's more to come. I. I actually came across, just in my regular Bible reading, this passage from Titus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This verse is notable for Christology, Mm -hmm. our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is directly called God here by, by Paul. So it speaks to the divinity of Christ. But then you have the, the both and, the grace of God has appeared. So that's the already, Jesus is crucified and resurrected. But we're waiting for the appearing mm-hmm. of the glory and grace of God. So so, so it's that, that both. And actually, I was on my day off yesterday, as I like to do, I went to Philadelphia Museum of Art. And there is a new piece on the ground floor that as far as I know, had never been displayed. It was by a Philadelphia artist who lived from 1940 and died just last year in 2022. Mm. Uh, A black artist, longtime member of the Philadelphia art community, Mo Brooker, and it's an abstract painting. The title of the painting is The Already and Not Yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. So somebody heard my sermon on Sunday (laughs) And then rushed over uh-huh. to, to, to uh-huh. install that painting. And interestingly, Mo Brooker, I did a little bit of reading about him afterwards. I hadn't been familiar with the artist previously. His painting, largely abstract, 
in his own words, is heavily influenced by jazz music, okay. and he wanted to incorporate the fluidity and improvisation of jazz mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. his paintings. In some ways, how do we live in the already and not yet? Right. It's kind of like jazz. We're, we're pulled between these two poles, and it's jazz that connects all of the pieces for us. Um, and then also, just to, a couple more things to, to round out here. Uh, the not yet means that we're defined by our future, and not our past and present. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Two, two less pieces. Didn't go into a ton of detail here, but part of waiting in the Lord, understanding, if you look at the Psalms, if you look at the New Testament, it's not this passive, just sit around and do nothing. It's an active striving. Like Paul says to Titus, Hey, we're waiting on the Lord. That means that we're renouncing ungodliness, world, worldly passions, self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. But that's also a call beyond us. And old seminary professor of mine, Harvey Kahn, would talk about how there is a call to justice and mission mm -hmm. in the fact that we are waiting upon the Lord because we know that the not yet is going to be great and then we work toward that in our lives. And nice. then finally, the, <laughs> I enjoyed how at the very end I connected this whole idea of waiting to Jesus as our greatest waiter, both in right. Gethsemane, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And then that, that little verse from Matthew, Jesus is taunted on the cross. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. There's irony. Mm-hmm. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. But Jesus waited. Yeah. Um, there's also a, I, I don't, I, I feel like it's an interesting end of a season of preaching this just because this really isn't, is also not the end of the Jacob Esau story. It's not. So like that, the, you're possibly unconscious, like not ending the story. I think a lesser situation like someone might have just tried to put the whole Jacob Esau narrative in one sermon to oh. close it out because it would would be finished but yeah. there's almost like a first of all that would be too unwieldy because there's a lot you couldn't focus on just this yeah, aspect um but it, it just it gets really complicated because of Jacob's actions later yeah um there's a lot of good stuff with Jacob <laughs> but then it serves as a meta like we have to wait for that especially like we might have to wait forever if you never go back to Genesis yeah we shall see <laughs> um okay let's move to muddying the waters ha it it sounds like you had fun constructed this sermon <laughs> <I don't... laughs> why you just seem jovial about it maybe you're trying to end this like the sermon series well you're at your energy happy that you can get into the psalms where you like to kind of hang out during the summer <laughs> it's gonna be part of the intro for the what did your friends in texas call the psalms or is that inappropriate i forget i don't know what you're I referring to i feel like they had like a song like oh maybe it was that, a leviticus that was habakkuk oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay habakkuk sermon series they didn't have a get, psalm i get teased for they didn't have a teasing day. for psalms no they should okay somebody should come up with a when jim goes when jim goes to the shore psalmody gosh comment what don't don't psalm shame me baby <laughs> i like the psalms okay. i think everyone likes the psalms Summer does feel different, so it's, I don't, I'm not ultimately criticizing. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> Summer in the Psalms, it'll be refreshing. Okay, so what specifically, uh, when you were looking at this, like, what's the, what's the process that 
becomes interesting or like is the piece that engages your brain the most excavating our inability to wait ah, and so uh-huh. that sort of the fallen we've talked before about the fcf the mm-hmm. fallen condition focus how does a specific passage of scripture engage us as does fallen anyone people wait well and the answer is not really so Mother we're Teresa. we're we're bad at waiting and the it's yeah it it's not hard to get people to recognize that. So uh-huh. towards the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned advertising, microwaves, communication, yeah, me decade, and then that tagline from Sprite from a few years ago: "Obey your thirst." It's all about it's all about now. And I think this is the third week in a row. Not like I planned it this way ahead of time, but comparing ancient and modern. And I did put the qualifier in. Hey, like. Ancient times is not necessarily better than mm-hmm, modern times. Mm-hmm. In the same way that all these technological advances that have moved um, us towards being perfective. instant gratification yeah. people, like a lot of that stuff is really great, but there is a downside. Mm-hmm. Thinking about our appetites and urges and desires, <clears throat> this whole idea that our appetites, urges, and desires are to be indulged is relatively novel. And sure, there are always bits and pieces, like, specific voices here and there throughout throughout history but even something like i mean the word hedonism right right yeah true but but even so hedonism and epicureanism so epicurus was Mm -hmm. a ancient greek philosopher that just said live it up and so so he's his school of thought is attached to originating a hedonistic outlook but if you go back and read epicurus he also says that yes Life is meaningless beyond trying to find pleasure, but if you want to maximize your pleasure in the very near term, you're actually going to lose pleasure in the long term. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. so even ancient Greek hedonism <laughs> was more balanced yeah. and, uh-huh. and, and and nuanced than this idea here. And now that hey, it's actually we're repressing ourselves if we don't indulge as much as we can, as long as we don't hurt other people. So, so there is that accelerative layer with the late modern period that is on top of just how, you know, ancient modern were, were, were bad at, were bad at waiting. Um, although, although, although it would have been easier say in a Greco-Roman or Judeo-Christian framework to have a conversation where there's agreement between people saying, yeah, like we shouldn't obey our thirst all the mm-hmm, time. That's, mm-hmm. that's actually a really bad idea. That's, that's how we can, can get in, into trouble. So, I tried to bounce back and forth between the cultural level, talking about, hey, what are some movements going on in our, in our world? And then hopefully it was also practical with some tips Do and like ideas me about how or to you. wait. Who, which of us is more patient, at, better at waiting? <laughs> well, we, we are both strong and weak at the same time. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that if anyone was questioning this as a, like a human condition, like, is this really a problem? Like, I... Is there is there a toddler that can wait that a parent where a parent is not frustrated with their inability to wait? Like yeah. it's just like there is something like you can't look at that absence of patience and be chill with it. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like even the most like super secular, like pleasure in the moment type of mm-hmm. parent is not gonna feel like their toddler's insistence on now is appropriate yeah 
I mean, I hope not. <laughs> we can that, think of some yeah, specific yeah, parents yeah. that maybe sure. go too far in that direction. Okay. Not that we're perfect parents at yeah, the same yeah, yeah. time. Which of, which of our kids is the best? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more here, Emma, about personhood formation. So uh-huh. yeah. conne- connecting this idea of already, not yet. And this is something that I've thought about for years and years. I remember at our first church in West Philly preaching from the passage that I referenced in Philippians contrasting the... Many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame. And their minds are set on earthly things. But then Paul goes on to say, but our citizenship is in heaven and we await a savior from there. So that's the already not yet. Mm-hmm. We're awaiting our savior, even though we're already saved in in Jesus. But it, it's endlessly fascinating to me that for us as Christians, we're ultimately and primarily defined neither by our past nor our present, but by our future. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any other identity construction that, that, that tends in that direction. So our identity now is we're freed from performative identity because Jesus gives us grace and mercy and we're loved not only for the good parts of ourselves, but for the sinful and broken ones as well. So we look up now for our identity, but then we also look forward. Um, and I'd be interested, I, Sermons are always hard to give all the nuance that I'd want to give, but this this was only my own opinion, thinking about, hey, if we typically think about ourselves even practically and our identities based on our past and present, mm-hmm. seeing the past horizon center and focus pretty squarely nowadays on trauma and mm-hmm. then the present on feeling. And uh, the nuance there is if there's trauma in your life, we, we grieve that right. and, and we, we understand that like that's, that, that's not a good right. thing. And of course it's going to shape who you are, but there's determination, but then over-determination. And mm-hmm. sometimes I feel that too much of our identity is collapsed into the trauma box. When, yeah, it's when, inter- that is when, interesting. When there are other, other aspects of, of who we are and we don't just want to be buried by the bad news. And then you I are... I think th- even practically, like just thinking about it, like you... Everyone is almost aware that they should be thinking about the past traumas, but there were, for the majority of people, like people, everyone has past childhood traumas or or situations that were negative and impacted them. But like, I don't think I can think of the, the times when you're trying, you're encouraged to think about the joys in childhood or in your upbringing and like, uh, leaning into those in particular, except yeah. family. Like sometimes people think, ask you to like think about the roles people played or mentors or whatever. But I think that it's more than that. It's like, like leaning into the yeah, joys, the joys you experienced mm-hmm. in the friendships and yep, learning how to eat <laughs> tortillas with Chinese food. That's like for some of us, yes, <laughs> right. And and then the the whole thing about feelings is. Our, our emotive selves uh-huh, right are now, our true selves. Present, but you put those feeling. two things together and it's a recipe, I think I said in the sermon, for fragility, anxiety, and depression mm-hmm. where the sum of who we are is based on past trauma and present feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, should we bury our feelings? Should we bury our trauma? No. Mm-hmm. But that's also, you know, we're, we're candles in the wind yep. at, 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 at that point. So 
hopefully as a as an item of cultural engagement right now an identity whether it's identity politics or otherwise is is such a huge set of issues right now i think it's fair to say in the church shouldn't shrink away from that jesus gives us a better and more durable identity than mm-hmm. we can, yeah. construct apart from him so that and then the already not yet gives us a proper place even for the hard stuff hope now for the future uh, and i kind of ended the practical section by saying hey if you're in christ strive towards when you're facing difficulties in your life to be so full of Jesus that you're able to say, I'm not okay, but I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, are we moving on? Is that the, is yeah, that your... yeah. Yeah. That's all I got for running the waters unless there's anything yeah. else you wanted to. No, I think I'm good. Click on. Um, Bar band cover tunes. You referenced um, your coach, Coach Hernandez. Coaches in one, one other high thing, school. Sorry to interrupt, but one other thing about Coach Hernandez is so I it didn't. It just would have added. It was a long sermon anyway. It would have added more time. Coach Hernandez was actually not my high school basketball coach. Oh, because lies from he the was hired by Loyola University in New Orleans. He I was see. he was such a great coach wow. that he jumped from high school to college ranks. That's that's pretty that's pretty legit. Yeah. Even though his fingerprints were still all over all over the Yeah, nice. Including St. Martin's the, like, Episcopal School yeah, basketball it, it, program. You you uh, changed the narrative of the high school coach being a bad teacher. Well the, there are actually people at Liberty College, yeah, right? so, yeah. Who, yeah I, I wanted for... to be careful not, not, not to say all of these. <laughs> but you also like you did change it, and then like we had a barbecue after, oh, we did, yeah. in the afternoon where people were affirming that that like some of their favorite uh, coach teachers, or was that the our kids? Anyways, just no, the... we were talking about okay, it at the barbecue. Okay, just the idea that like yeah, they're not necessarily bad. Like there are some bad coach teachers, but there aren't all. Like some of them are solid, and some of the solidness is because of sports, like discipline and yeah, organization. Those are not my favorite teacher qualities, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you're you're more in the uh huh teachers of I like the flighty whimsy my art classes. Yeah, I mean I like those teachers classes. too. Uh huh. Especially for me as a middle schooler, though, I I enjoyed the enjoyed structure. structure. I probably did too, ultimately. And I, and I really wanted to get good grades in Coach Hernandez's English class, classes, sixth mm-hmm. grade and seventh grade, because I figured he'd give me more playing time in high school if I got A's. <laughs> and, and, and then it didn't matter. <laughs> and then did, did you know that I was a All-State basketball player? Oh, why, my, yes, my, I did, in actually. In my senior year? Tell me about the swamps of Louisiana. I feel oh. like, I, I know, I kind of know, but... Yeah. Well, how do they differ from the swamps of Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> well, one uh, just just so we just so I don't come come Oops, across sorry as, about that, guys. Come, come across as lying. I I was all state in basketball, but all state academic team. <laughs> <laughs> so it was less impressive than or, the, or more impressive. Than it sounds no, it's you, less impressive. You, did, you dated the, the nerd right here, so there we go. It's so impressive. yeah, so the the longest drive. From Metro New Orleans every year is playing in Port Sulphur. Ooh, deep, that's an awesome name. Deep Port Sulphur. Deep in the swamps. <laughs> and it was kind of the equivalent of like dusty West Texas small towns uh-huh. for football. 
we would be in these opposing gyms and the the deeper you get into the swamps it goes interstate highway just to country roads including when you're driving over over bridge swamp water, water. Yeah, bridge, bridge just things. bridge highways everywhere and <laughs> I, I don't mean this to throw people that live in the swamps under the bus especially as the swamps continue to be eroded mm-hmm. and washed out but but one of your main takeaways is that there's only one kind of store once you get into the swamps and it's a gas station that mm-hmm. sells food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just there's there's only the all-purpose country stores where you can get gas, get some boudin balls. But those are supposed to be like legit good. Oh, they are really good. Yeah, yeah they're 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 great. Who's telling me like Royal Farms in in around this area yeah. too? The, their fried chicken is like super legit. I've I've heard about that. Yeah, I've, we should I've, do that. Yeah, I've never actually I can tried swing it. By. One one stereotype about the New Orleans and Cajun food. So so New Orleans is the, one of the main cultural streams is Creole, which mm-hmm. is black new orleans mixed with french canadians cajun uh, or sorry black new orleans um uh mixed with white french culture and then you have in the swamps that's cajun so no country. canada right no well well cajun comes from acadia in canada so okay, so, so 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 the french canadians were the cajuns uh-huh. and white predominantly People think that because I'm from New Orleans, that's why I love hot sauce so much. Uh-huh. Hot sauce comes less from New Orleans, but more from Cajun country. And the oh, reasoning and that I've heard... Cajun country is the swamps. The swamps. Huh. The, the, the uh, reasoning that I've heard for that, from multiple people, including a couple of books, hot sauce is in the swamps because you're cooking so many bottom feeder type <laughs> type, type, type of like... animals and fish that Rangy, you need to yeah yeah so Catfish. so gamey that, that that you constantly have to dump Alligator. hot sauce on it right and then yeah so so we would play in gyms that it felt like all 500 people of the town were there uh-huh. <laughs> rooting, rooting against oh, us yeah, so yeah. yeah it was fun one time we lost in port sulfur and team moms would pack us like fourth meal for for, for for the way back i can't it was do that it's su- such a long trip but we lost in port sulfur and this was coach mcguire i forget if it was junior he senior wouldn't year. let you eat the... he wouldn't let us eat food <laughs> i knew it so so we drove it was like a three-hour drive back oh my god we had to sit in absolute si- he said you know uh, nobody says an effing word on on the whole way back oh no no one probably o- felt like saying pro- anything profanity <laughs> and about a half an hour in kids started looking at each other and saying hey are we gonna actually get any or all with our eyes uh-huh. and timidly one of the seniors this must have been my junior year coach mcguire can we have our sandwiches now <laughs> and then he blew up all over again no, <laughs> no way so yep okay that's you you probably deserved it louisiana swamps <laughs> where are the jersey swamps is that like kind of everywhere yeah Really? Like, uh, I mean, there's swampy areas around here. Yeah, that's and, and, and then, but it's like, not like, more, like, more it North is Jersey. not like the swamps of Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, those are it's just like, kind those of marshy. are like, ours is like little eco. Yeah. Puddles. Spots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Louisiana swamps are swamps. But I highly recommend if anybody visits New Orleans or South Louisiana, swamp tours are awesome. Uh-huh. I still remember to, the one to we went to. to. Absolutely beautiful. So. And yeah. amusing. 
My machine, she's a dud. I'm stuck <laughs> okay, in the we're mud talking somewhere too much. in the swamps I got to go soon. Uh, anything else? Let's do the, just the highlights. You had, what else did you have? Not a whole lot. So mostly Bible references uh-huh. this week. Philippians. Philippians 3, Isaiah 40, Titus 2, Romans 5, Matthew 27, and Harvey Kahn. I, I don't like it when this happens, but I had another quote that I used for our, the reflections page in our mm-hmm. worship folder that I ended up axing for time. Mm. Sorry about that. You can still reflect Charles on it. Charles Corsar. Um, you can still reflect on it. It's, it's about the already and not yet. And, and the only other thing that I have for guitar slim pickings, I'm sorry that I didn't get your permission about talking about your lentils. I know. Like, literally. what What's up with that? <laughs> See, the thing is, People like, didn't you, get you, the second most you drafts. were kind of polite about it, but I actually think you genuinely dislike the taste of them now, too. Like, you can't, you can't even, it's I had tough. a, like, very delicious lentil salad, which I actually thought was really great, and you were really quiet about it. <laughs> 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 what? I, I never serum? say, I, did you I, like I my lentil salad? <laughs> it, it was nostalgic. Do you like it? <laughs> Do you like lentils in any form? Am I allowed to cook lentils anymore? If we're at a, an Indian restaurant, yep. will you eat dal? Like, yes. And that's because there's like a ton of ghee and yeah. salt. And, and we were at, oh, what, what was the place where we went last week with, with Josiah and Cherry Hill? The, um, uh, uh, <laughs> Norma's. Uh, right, and, right, right, right. And I, I had a cup of lentil, lentil and tomato soup and it was delicious. I thought that was fine. I, I love Norma's, Norma's everything overall. about Norma's, except that soup was only fine to me. Okay. So, anyway. Um, okay, well, leftovers, no leftovers. Encore, Holland Wolves. Holland Wolves, you have all summer have to write. And post Sunday Blues at gmail.com. I will continue to check the inbox, even mm-hmm, if we're not mm-hmm. actively, actively potting. And just to give a heads up with summer programming, I am going to try to keep up about every other week with five golden things throughout the summer just just for why fun why are you canceling that and, and then <laughs> what does that say about your commitment to this podcast somewhere in the psalms baby and then <laughs> well uh uh this coming or this week this friday i recorded a couple of weeks ago now but it's going to drop this week uh my thoughts on how i was influenced by tim keller who passed oh, away nice. a, about a month ago a I, I, I thought that it was a a, a good conversation that so that's great be on the lookout for that. Okay. Uh, and with that... Oh, wait. I'm not saying this. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for a great season. How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Okay.